Having your Bibles this evening, I hope you turn with me to the book of Luke chapter number 15. The book of Luke chapter number 15. Thank you so much for all that you've done on our behalf. We appreciate the good meal that we've had this evening. Appreciate all the hard work that's gone involved in preparing the meal. We just want to say thank you so much. We do have some of our prayer cards up on the front table and uh, we ask if you will grab one and pray for the Aguiar family as we minister and help small struggling churches in America. As I mentioned Sunday, over 850 Baptist churches dissolved last year in America. Six every time you have a Sunday morning service, six every time you have a Sunday evening service, and then six Baptist churches every time you have a Wednesday night or a midweek prayer service. Six Baptist churches, every time you have a normal service, will dissolve in America. The Lord's allowed us for almost 12 years to work with these churches, and we count it a privilege to be able to be used as ambassadors helping small, struggling churches. I remember one of the first churches that we had the opportunity of working with was the Calvary Bible Baptist Church in Elbridge, New York. A little bit different of an area. Uh, down here in the south, there's churches on every corner, it seems like, and uh, you go to your average city, you'll find five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Baptist churches, but up in the northern areas, it seems like uh, very few Baptist churches around. In fact, uh, we've been in some places where the nearest Baptist church is 70-some miles away, and uh, it's just a, a shame having the truth of the Word of God, and yet uh, there's Baptist churches in need uh, and uh, areas where there's not a preaching church. And But we was able to minister to the Calvary Bible Baptist Church. Uh, the pastor planned for us to be there four weeks, and uh, we went there to spend a four-week period of time. And the preacher said, Brother Aguiar, I would like for you to come in and just do nothing but door knocking. He said, our church, it's been a long time since we've seen a first-time visitor. And I asked the preacher, I said, Preacher, when was the last time you had a first-time visitor in the church? And this was the state of New York. If you've never been there, you might not understand it, but he was bragging. He said, oh, the Lord blessed us. We had a first-time visitor six months ago. I asked the preacher, I said, Preacher, when was the last time somebody was saved in the church? He said, oh, probably two, maybe three years ago. And I said, well, I would like to do something in the church if you'll allow me to. I'd like to put up a sign-up list on the bulletin board. And Sunday morning, I'm going to, if it's all right, I would like to ask your people to donate an hour and 15 minutes of their time in one week to the Lord. Now, just think with me. God has blessed you. He's given you 168 hours. Surely, you could give the Lord an hour and 15 minutes. And the pastor was in agreement with it. And so here it is, Sunday morning, we put up the sign-up list. And I had times from uh, 10 o'clock in the morning to 11.15, 1 o'clock to 2.15, 3 o'clock to 4.15, uh, 6 o'clock to 7.15, and then 8 o'clock to 9.15, asking for folks to just give an hour and 15 minutes. And I told folks it doesn't matter if, uh, if you're used to talking or not. Uh, I said, if you go with us, we'll be glad to do all the talking, but we want you to just join in and help. And I told the people, if a teenage boy or a man comes, I'll take them out. If a teenage girl comes or a lady comes, my wife will take them out. I said, let's just go give the gospel to those in need of a Savior. And folks began to sign up. Some folks have never been on, door, uh, on visitation or door knocking. You know, I started to think, being saved for many years, having the truth of the Word of God, and never once sharing the gospel. Could you imagine that? But folks began to sign up. Folks begin to give an hour and 15 minutes of their time that week. Well, you know, the next week we did the same thing. We asked, would you be willing to give an hour and 15 minutes? And from Monday all the way into Saturday, we asked folks just to donate an hour and 15 minutes. And folks begin to sign up once again. The third week we did the same thing. It was amazing. We already, within three weeks, we knocked 1,500 doors giving out the gospel. Now, I will say this. When we go knocking on doors, we do not use gimmicks. Now, other churches might. Other groups might. Uh, but we do not use gimmicks. You say, Brother Aguiar, what do you mean? Well, when we ask folks to come, we tell them two things. If you come, we promise that we're going to have congregational singing. And we tell the people, if you would like, you could join in with the congregation and sing the songs from the songbook. And then we tell them not only will we have congregational singing, but if you come, we'll not only have the singing, but we'll also have the preaching of the Word of God. 
You say, why do you do it that way? Because after the evangelist is gone, guess what's still going on? The singing and the preaching of the Word of God. And so as we went out, that's all we did. We invited folks in. We talked to them about the Lord. And what did you know it after 1,500 doors? Now, I know it's not a good percentage. It's not a good amount. The church only ran about 30 people, maybe 32, maybe 33 people on a normal Sunday morning. But there on that third Sunday, could you imagine what it was like when folks had to go and they looked all over the church trying to find chairs because of 35 first-time visitors? You say that's not that many. Let me ask you something. Where would you put 35 first-time visitors? And here it was. You say that was one Sunday. For over nine months, that church averaged over 70 people for every service. The blessing was when we was able to go ahead and knock on a door and see a lady come to know Christ as Savior. The blessing was there on that Sunday morning to go ahead and see another person get down at an old-fashioned altar, tears come to her eye. And there, it's been two or three years since it took place, but seeing somebody birthed into the family of God, oh, what a blessing that was. You see, our desire is just trying to help small and struggling churches. There are some churches tonight, and you might not understand it, but there are some churches right now they are considering going ahead and taking down the church sign. They're considering locking up the church doors. They're considering going ahead and barring the windows because nobody wants to come to the church service. There was one church, and they got to that point, and it seemed like just problems after problems. And There, there was only five people left in the entire church, and, and they met together. And, and uh, there was, I think, two women and maybe three men or three ladies and two men, whatever the case may have been. But here those five met, and they said it seems like nothing's taking place. They said, let's go ahead and dissolve the church. We don't need the church in the area. Nobody's interested. Nobody wants to come. Let's dissolve the church. And so they went ahead and took a vote, it seemed like, and four of them said, let's dissolve it. One of them said no. But that one was outvoted. And so they went ahead and cut off the lights for the last time, took down the sign. The one that said no was an elderly lady, and she started thinking and crying in her heart, saying, what are, what's going to happen to our community she started thinking, what if somebody comes there uh, on Sunday, because that took place on a Wednesday, what, what are people going to think? What, what's going to take place? So she made up a sign, and she took and she nailed it to the front doors of that church, and it, the sign said this, out of business, because we did not know what our business was. You start to think with me for just a moment, the day that we start leaving souls out, the day we start going ahead and keeping everything in the four walls of this building, we might as well close up because we don't know what our business is. Oh, reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask if you will, grab one of the prayer cards, pray for the Aguiar family as we minister and help small struggling churches in America. Luke chapter number 15 is where I'm drawing your attention tonight. I want to preach a very southern type of message. I, I got up in the do, to the New England area. Boy, I love the northern area, but sometimes I have to translate. But I like getting down in the south where I don't have to do that. Uh, tonight I want to preach on this thought, what to do when you smell the hog pen. Now up north they had a little bit of a hard time grasping a hold of that, but uh, tonight I think I might have enough, uh, uh, enough southerners here to understand uh, what to do tonight when you smell the hog pen. Would you stand with me tonight as we read just a portion of the Word of God, the book of Luke chapter number 15, very familiar I'm sure with you. But there in verse number 11 the Bible says, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the field to feed swine. And he would have feigned and filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before thee am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." 
And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, tonight we desire that you would speak to hearts and lives tonight. Lord, we, we have a desire tonight to be fed from the Word of God. And Lord, we've come looking for a blessing. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you might bless us tonight as we look tonight in the Word of God. Father, work in the hearts, I pray, if there might be one wandering away in the pig pen of sin. Father, one that's maybe getting out and doing the things so contrary to your Word. Father, may they turn around. May they come back to where they need to be. Father, speak to hearts and lives. If one's lost, may they come to know Jesus tonight. Have your will in way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Interesting passage of Luke chapter number 15. Three different parables found in chapter number 15. I don't have time to expound on the first two, but uh, uh, from verse number 1 all the way up to verse number 7, we find there's the 90 and 9 that the uh, shepherd has, but one has gone astray, 100 sheep, but one's gone astray, and he leaves the 99 in the fold, and he goes and he looks over the valleys, over the hills, over the clefts. Uh, He looks all around trying to find that one lost sheep, and when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, and he comes back rejoicing. And I can imagine as he shouts the victory, and he says, Rejoice with me for I found that sheep that was lost. And there in verse number 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which needs no repentance. So we have a lost sheep found in verse 1 through 7. From verse number 8 through verse number 10, we have a lost shekel or a lost coin. And here it is, the person has lost it, and they swept the house diligently. They looked, and when they found it, boy, they rejoiced. And they called their neighbors. I guess they got on the telephone back then. They called their neighbors saying, Rejoice with me. I found that lost coin. I found that lost coin I've been looking for. And boy, they begin to rejoice. And the Bible says, Likewise, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. I could imagine joy that takes place when a person repents and comes to Christ. Oh, what a blessing. So we got a lost uh, a sheep, a lost shekel. But I want to look mostly from verse number 11 all the way up to verse number uh, uh, 24 and see here the lost son. Now I have to admit I've heard this passage of Scripture preached many ways. I have heard it preached that here is the one that is lost and held bound. And here the Father, the Heavenly Father, does all He can to try to bring them to, to salvation, tries to bring them to repentance, tries to bring them to the spot where they receive Christ. And could I say tonight, you can preach it that way. This is a parable. I've also heard it preached that this is a person that has been saved by the grace of God, but they've wandered in the pig pen. They've wandered out in the world. They've went ahead, if I could use the term very loosely, they backslid and and got into the hog pen and God's doing all He can to get them back under the table, get them back to the table of the Word of God that they might feast once again. And could I say you could preach it that way also? This is a parable. If you're lost here tonight, God's doing all He can to bring you to salvation. If you're saved here tonight out in the things of the world, God's doing all He can to bring you back where you need to be. But tonight I want you to notice a few things here. In verse number 12, we notice the youngest son came to his father and notice the prayer of that that young son. Father, give me. Now I have a problem with the wording that's here. Not because of the wording, but I have a problem with the way it was said. Father, give me. To me, I see a spoiled brat here. Here, Father, I I, I want you to know something. I want you to give me. You know, we're living in a time when the children are now running the parents. And could I say that is not the way that God instituted the home. Oh, I've been in homes where here it is, I go door knocking and I knock on a person's door and I begin to talk to uh, maybe the wife and and we begin to go ahead and tell her about the church and invite her out. Her husband comes to the door and I give an invitation to the husband. The husband says, well, i got to work Sunday. There's no way. The wife says, well, you know, I, I don't think I'll be able to make it. I have an engagement. And here comes little Johnny. And Johnny comes up to the door. And now they say, little Johnny, do you? 
want to go to church? Let me ask you something. Do you ask him if he wants to go to school? Do you ask him if he wants to go to the doctor and get a needle that long? Do you ask him if he wants to go to the dentist to get his teeth filed on and chipped on and, and nailed on? I mean, here, I begin to see something. Here, many folks, they go ahead and give Johnny a choice whether or not God will be first in their life. I think it's time that the parents begin to put Christ first, that the children might follow and no longer lead. America, we have a bad thing with these children leading the way. I believe it's time the parents go ahead and instead of here a spoiled bread, I believe it's time the woodshed was found once again. You say, Brother Aguiar, that's not good. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from. You know why many children are so foolish? You know why they take a gun to school? You know why they go ahead and get on drugs? You know why all this? Because mom and dad went ahead and allowed them to remain a spoiled brat. Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Well, we can understand the tradition. It was always there found in the Jewish customs that the father would lay up many treasures. Throughout his life, he would go ahead and gather different treasures and place them perhaps in a strong box, place them in a, in a huge chest. And there at the end of his life, he would then divide to his children all of his, all of his living. But here's a younger son that doesn't want to wait for that. Here's one, he has all the answers to all the questions that could be asked. And he says, I want everything right now. Could I say that's the worst thing that could happen to you? Have you ever seen these people? And here it is, they go out and as we mentioned the other night about the casinos that they go to. And boy, they gamble. And you know, there are some folks that go ahead and hit the jackpot. And I begin to think for just a moment when they hit the jackpot, they begin to go ahead and buy this and buy this and buy this and buy this. And, you know, I, I've had Christians, I ask folks, I, I do a lot of uh, chapel services with young folks. I do a lot of teen meetings. And, and I ask young folks, if you could have any wish you want, what would it be? You would be surprised how many teenagers say, I wish I had a million dollars. You'd be surprised how many adults would say, I wish I had a million dollars. But I wonder tonight, if you had a million dollars, would you be found in church tonight? I wonder if you had a million dollars, would you be found in church on Sunday? Or would you be out at the lake drowning some worms? Or hitting a small ball down a cow pasture with a stick? Hey, I'm just trying to wonder tonight, where would you be if you had your wish? And here the son says, Father, I want to have it right now. And the Bible says that the father went ahead and divided unto them his living. It is interesting that in that box, in that chest, there were some things that was very precious. In that box, there were some things that was very pure. In that box, there were some things that you could not find anywhere else. And if you lost it, you would never get it back again. And the Father began to divide unto Him His living. Could you imagine as the Son got together, both the older son and the younger son. The Bible says he divided unto them his living. So he would take here and give something to the younger son. He would give something to the older son. He would give something to, to the younger son. He would give something to the older son. I often wondered what did he say when he gave it. He says, this is what my grandfather gave me. His grandfather gave it to him. This has been passed down from generation to generation. And then he gave something to the older son. And he said something. He gave something to the younger son. He said, son, you'll never find this anywhere else in the world. This is the only one left. If you lose it, that's all there is. And he divided unto them his living. Could I say something tonight? There's some things that God has blessed you with that you'll never have again. Young people, can I say this to you tonight? You'll only have your purity one time. You'll never have it again. You go ahead and play the part of the alley cat. You go ahead and play in sin. I want you to know you'll lose that. He divided unto them his living. It's not part of the message. I'm just giving you a few thoughts. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. I often wondered, where did he find out about the far country? Did you ever think about that? How did he find out about that far country? Do you think it could have been maybe a magazine that was in the house that was ungodly? 
Do you think it may have been something that uh, was brought in on a, on, a, on a record or on a CD and, and boy, you look at it and, and there's the ungodly odds and ends on it? Why did he have a desire to take off to a far country? Why was there a desire? How did he know about that far country? I wonder if maybe he watched it. I wonder if maybe he had his own radio in his room with the earpiece in so mom and dad couldn't hear. I wonder how did he find out? But here he took his journey into a far country and the Bible says that he wasted it. Have you ever went ahead and maybe had some extra money come through and I mean, you just had to have that thing. It had all the bells and whistles, all the dumaflaches and the gizmos and all the other different things. And boy, you bought it and then you found out it was a lemon. You know what I'm talking about? It just didn't meet up to what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to do this great thing. And boy, you brought it home. And boy, you plug it in or whatever it may have been. But it just didn't seem right. Boy, you say, I wasted that. I, this is horrible. This doesn't even do what it's supposed to. He wasted his substance. I'm trying to get to the message very quickly. I'm giving you just a quick introduction. I like quick introductions. The Bible says when he had spent all. Could I say everything the Father gave him? He spent. There's a lot of different folks here in churches across America. They come to God after they've spent all. What a shame it is. God has so much potential for your life. Young folks, could I say this? God has so, a plan. He's drawn up a blueprint just for your life, and He has a special potential for your life. There are some things no one else can do but you. He's went ahead and fashioned that blueprint. There are special things about you, special things of your talents, special things of your ability, and here God has a special blueprint. But you could waste your life with this world and miss the blueprint of God. I begin to think for just a moment here, when he went ahead and spent all, the Bible does mention there arose a famine in that land. He began to find there was friends that now left him. He now is in woe. And now the Bible says he joins himself to a citizen of the country. It's amazing. Romans chapter number 12, it says, And be not conformed to the world. He went ahead and conformed. He went ahead and joined every type of group there was to get some money, get some food, whatever it might have been. He joined as a citizen of that country. And the Bible says they sent him in the field to feed swine. If you know anything about Jewish folks, they're not supposed to deal with the pigs. They're not allowed to eat the pigs. And here it is, he's dropped down so low that he now has forgot about the teachings of mom and dad. He's now forgot about the teachings that the preacher preached on. The Sunday school teacher went ahead and taught on. And here he's dropped down so low, he's lost every bit of conviction, every bit of things that he ever learned. And he's now feeding some pigs in the pig pen. The Bible says he would have fainted had filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Tonight I want to just take this one text in verse number 17. And I want to preach tonight on this thought, what to do when you smell the hog pen. Notice the Bible says, when he came to himself. I personally believe here the prodigal son went ahead and picked up a pail of slop. And as he went ahead and he opened up that uh, gate and he entered in. Now, I want you to know something. If, if you've never been around pigs, I'm going to give you some advice. They do not have any manners. They begin to go ahead and jump up on that young man. They begin to go ahead and knock him over. They begin to go ahead and knock it down to where the bucket of slop would fall. And finally, I could imagine he got fed up with it and he just went ahead and threw it. And the pigs dived into that slop. And the Bible, I believe it went on over to the rail. And as he went over to the rail, he stood there. And the Bible says that he came to himself. I believe he did one of these numbers. Have you ever been in a pig pen and took a good, deep breath? Tonight, what are you going to do when you smell the hog pen? You've been playing in sin. You've been dabbling in sin. You've been doing the things the world wants you to do. And now here it is. You're standing near the rail holding a pail there that was filled with slop. And here it is. You take a deep breath. And hey, what are you going to do when you smell the hog bin? I believe there's some things you need to do tonight. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. I believe the first thing, you're going to have to drop that pail. 
There in that pail was nothing but slop. Boy, you've been holding on to that pail. That pail has nothing but the slop of the world. It has nothing good in it. It's just filled with the garbage of the world. Hey, listen, you would be living for God, but you're holding on to something that's nothing more than the slop of the world. You would be tithing to God, but you're holding on to something that's nothing more than slop. Oh, it's your desire to hold that slop. It's your dreams of that slop. It's your de- a devotion of that slop. But listen, if you're going to get back to the Father tonight, you're going to have to drop the slop of this world. I believe it's time tonight that we drop the pail. It bothers me when Stupid Bowl Sunday comes around. How many so-called Christians will miss church? Could you imagine standing before the Lord and here it is, you got that pail of slop for that football game. Hey, I want you to know those people are ungodly. Those people take drugs. Those people are a bunch of homosexuals. They're a bunch of long-haired hippies. And here it is, your children have posters up in the room. They went ahead and that's their hero. Oh, I would be ashamed to admit that's my hero. But you've held on to that. And Daddy, you went ahead and missed the church service just for a football game that lasts a few hours for something that's not even going to last in eternity. Imagine standing before the Lord and the Lord said, why wasn't you in church? And you say, well, they was passing the pigskin around the cow pasture. And that's why I went ahead and missed church. Oh, a pail that's filled with the slop of the world. What are you holding on to tonight? Why aren't you with the Father? A pail that's filled with slop. Some, it's the materialistic goods of this world. You know, I read about a man I believe that was saved, went with the Apostle Paul to help start churches. But as Demas went and helped to help the Apostle Paul, I believe he was a great blessing. But the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know why some folks won't even come out for visitation? The love of the world is too strong for them. Could I ask you tonight, is the love of the world strong for you? That's why you miss out on the things of God. you got to have this, you got to have that, you got to have all the things. Here, the materialistic good. Some tonight, they're living in a slop area because of the pride of their lives. I have to admit, I go to a lot of churches and folks look right. They might even dress right. They carry the right Bible. But if you can look deep down in their heart, you see a bunch of pride found in their life. Some old sinner comes in and he doesn't look the way we look. Maybe he's carrying the wrong Bible. And boy, we with a Pharisee nose begins to look down on him. You know what that is? That's a pail of slop. You say, Brother Aguiar, look how great of a person I am. Could I say this tonight? It's only the grace of God that you're where you are tonight. Have you ever considered this? Why is it that you was born in an area where maybe you could go ahead and grow up and hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why why wasn't I born over in Africa where the natives run through the jungles naked, where there's not a church whatsoever for hundreds of miles? Why is it that I was born in America that I could hear time and time again the gospel of the Lord Jesus? Why was it? I have to say this. It's the grace of God. And yet we get on our high horse. and Boy, we become so great that we can't help the low sinner down there in the filth of the world. What are you going to do when you smell the hog pen? I believe it's time to drop the pail. You see, he was all tied up with that pail. He would have been with the Father, but that pail held on to something. It held on to him. He would have been sitting there at the table eating the bread, eating the corn, eating the meat, oh, having such a great time, but he was holding on. You know, there's some young folks here. You're holding on to something that's not going to last. There's some of you, you would get right with God, but you have your eyes on that boy or you have your eyes on that girl and you would get right with God. You would serve the Lord completely, but you have your eyes on that person and you say, if I get saved, if I get my heart right, if I start living for God, they won't like me anymore. Hey, listen, you need to do like Paul and count all things but lost for Christ. You need to drop the pail of slop. King Agrippa was addressed with that. And King Agrippa, as he was addressed with it, the question was, what was you going to do with it? King Agrippa believed us out of the prophets, and he says, almost thou persuadest me. I'm almost ready to drop the pail. I'm almost ready to give my life to Christ. I'm almost ready to get right with God. I'm almost, could I say almost, is nothing. It's time to drop the pail. Brother Aguiar, what should I do? 
when I smell the hog pen, you need to drop the pail. Second of all, not just drop the pail. Dropping the pail is a good step. But you know what? You're still in the pig pen. I believe not only do you need to drop the pail, but you need to jump the rail. You say, what do you mean? It's time Christians got out of the world. We have so many Christians tonight. Yes, they may have dropped the pail, but there's that muck and mire all around them. It's getting on their feet. It's getting on their clothes. It's making them stink. Uh, Here it is. It's time that you and I just jump the rail. We need to get out of the muck and the mire. The Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. It's time that you and I became separate for the glory of God. Could I say this tonight? You're not going to win folks to Christ by going to their parties. You say, Brother Aguiar, you just don't understand. It's mandatory for me to go to the drinking party. No, it's not. Well, Brother Aguiar, if I don't, if I don't go to the party, I won't be considered as one of the great people. You know what your problem is? It's pride. Well, Brother Aguiar, you just don't understand. I, I mean, it's important for me to go and, and take a part. And the Christmas time's going to come up. And I want you to know they'll go ahead and they'll put a little flower right over a door. And that'll give a person that's not married or another person the right to go ahead and kiss some other woman. And you call that godly? Hey, I'm trying to say something tonight. It's time we got out of the things of the world. We've been so indoctrinated with the world. We brought the world right in. And today the church has become so worldly and the world's become so churchy that you cannot see the difference between the two. All that you and I might get out of the world. The book of James brings it out. James says, Yea, a man may say, I have faith, and thou hast works. He said, Show me thy faith by thy works. I began to think as I read the book of James, it confused me for a while because it talked about how work saves. Well, you know, as a young Christian, I didn't fully understand it. I had to read a little bit more of the book of James, and finally I figured out what was going on. James is looking at it at his point. God looks at it as, as a different point. You say, what do you mean? When God looks down at me, he sees the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, when this person down the road looks at me, he doesn't see it the way God sees it. He's looking at my works. You say you love God. Show me your faith by your works. Oh, Brother Aguiar, I want you to know God means the most to me. He's the most important thing. Why weren't you in church on Sunday night? Well, Brother Aguiar, I want you to know I love God. I love the people of God. I love missionaries. And you won't even give one dime to them? Show me thy faith by thy works. You know, the church of Corinth, they went ahead, the Apostle Paul from uh, what I read in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, he went on deputation. He went to the, uh, I guess it was Corinth Baptist Church, and he went ahead and set up the, uh, perhaps it was uh, a display board. He may have showed the slides, whatever it may have been, passed out all the prayer cards, gave his, uh, uh, his work, talked about it. And, you know, the church said, we're going to take you on, Paul. Boy, we believe what you're doing is right. You know what? A year went by and not one dime came through. You know what Paul said? He says, prove the sincerity of your love. Could I give you an example on this? My wife and I, we've been married 17 years. I start to think for just a moment, you know, every time she had a birthday, I bought her something. Now, it may have been a drill or a saw. I bought her something, though. Do you realize every time Mother's Day comes around, I buy her something? She's not even my mother. Do you realize with me Christmas comes around, I'll buy her something? Our anniversary, my anniversary and her anniversary falls on the same day. Would you believe I go ahead and buy her something? Now the question comes up, Brother Aguilar, why do you buy it? To stay married? She'll say yes, I'll say no. I don't buy it to stay married to her. But you see, the reason I buy all these things, the reason I give her all these things, is because I love her. Now think with me for a moment. You say you love God. If you was to get up to heaven, you don't have the foggiest idea of who Habakkuk is. But you say you love God. You say you love God, but the only time you pray is when there's a meal. You say you love God, 
Well, you're nothing more than a thief and robber and robbing from God what belongs to Him. I believe it's time tonight that we jump the rail. Hey, what are you going to do when you go ahead, you're standing near the rail, and you go ahead and get a good smell? What are you going to do when you smell the hog pen? I believe you need to drop the pail. I believe you need to jump the rail. And then thirdly, I believe you need to hit the trail. I believe it's time now. We Hey, listen, you might be on the other side, but that smell is still coming over. Hey, if you're going to get around the food of God, if you're going to get around the blessings of God, you're going to have to hit the trail and go to the place where God's blessings are. Had a person one time, they said, Brother Aguiar, I wish God would give me some special blessings. Well, I knew a little bit about their life. And I said, you want some special blessings? He said, yes. I said, look with me in a passage of Scripture. I'll show you how you can get a blessing. Turn with me. Some of y'all can look also. Book of Malachi. It won't hurt for you to look. How can I get a special blessing? Have you ever wondered about that? Many folks, they would say, I like to have a special blessing. I wish God would just go ahead and send me a blessing. Well, I was reading over here about that. There in Malachi chapter number 3, there's a question asked in verse number 8, will a man rob God? Now, that's a rough question. How can we rob the God that created all things? But if you notice, he says, yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Notice, you're cursed with the curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation's. Notice in verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, do you want a blessing from God? then why don't you tithe to the local New Testament church? Well, Brother Aguiar, I'm on a fixed income. That might be why it's fixed. I've never known a person to truly tithe to the Lord to go under. Are you listening to me? Could I also say this? I've never known a person that was spirit-filled that did not tithe. You say, Brother Aguirre, I wish God would give me a special blessing. Or maybe you got this habit where you're going ahead and puff and smoke. Could you imagine standing before the Lord and hear the average person smoking between two to three packs a day? I don't have the foggiest idea of how much it could be. Maybe Let's just imagine $5 a day, which I think is cheap. But let's imagine $5 a day, five times uh, uh, seven for a week, $35. Just think with me for a moment. Within one month, about $150. Let's just imagine, just imagine with me, within one year, $1,800. Within 10 years, $18,000. And that's cheap. Stand before the Lord. I gave you $18,000. What did you do with it? And all you can brag about is a bunch of smoke. Think with me for a moment. A lot of folks said, Brother Aguiar, I wish I could quit the habit. I wish I could kick that habit. I, I've tried patches. I've tried this. I've tried that. Hey, why don't you go ahead and tithe? God said, I'll send you a special blessing. You ever thought about it? I'm saying tonight, if we want to get to the Father's place, if we're going to go ahead, we need to go to the place of blessing. We need to go to the place where we can find the blessings of God. Man by the name of Elijah, I like studying about Elijah. He was he was a good twentieth century evangelist that wouldn't make it. God told him when the famine came, he says, Elijah, I want you to go on over to the brook, for there I've commanded the ravens to feed you. Now I know what uh, Elijah, he was scratching his head. I'm sure he, he was thinking, Lord, you want me to go down to the brook's all right. I'm sure that'd be okay. But ravens? Now, you know what a raven's like? On highway num number 190, there's a big semi-truck going by. Something jumps out, becomes a pizza in just a few seconds. A few minutes later, some black birds begin to come by. I've commanded the ravens there to feed thee. 
I'm sure Elijah had some different thoughts of, Lord, what is that raven going to bring me? What, what, what cow died? What deer died? What antelope may have died? But I want you to know God went ahead and with the ravens, I believe they swept through the king's place, grabbed some bread, grabbed some different things. But here God provided for the man Elijah. But you know what? After a while the brook dried up. You say, Brother Aguiar, what should we do when the brook dries up? You've got to make sure you're in God's perfect will. He said, I want you to go to Zarephath, for there I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, I don't know if you know this, and I'm not being down on any widow people. Don't get me wrong. But most widows does not have the money that's needed to live. They're on a very tight income. If God was going to provide, it seemed like he would use a rich man. But he says, if you want the blessings, you're going to have to step out on faith and go where I've told you to go. Tonight, do you want to get to the place of blessings? It might be that you're going to have to just step out on faith. It might be that you'll just have to go ahead. Here, we need to get to the place of blessings that God can provide that bread that we need. What are you going to do tonight? I've got to hurry. The time's, time's about the same as that clock. It's slipping by. What are you going to do when you smell the hog pen? I believe you need to drop the pail. I believe you need to jump the rail. I believe you need to hit the trail. I'll give you a fourth thing very quickly. And then you need to admit that you failed. Here the prodigal son, he's looking at all the things that he used to have. He, he's thinking about all those things. I remember when I left, I had this. I had this. Dad told me that it was precious. Dad told me that it was pure. He told me it was so many great things about this. He told me that granddad had it. He told me all this about it. And now he's walking down the old path. He hit the trail and he's looking at his hands and he noticed they're empty. What am I going to tell my father? There were some folks, if they got that far, they would have done this. I know what I tell them. Dad, when I was a small child, something happened in my life. My teddy bear was taken away. I didn't go to the right Christian school. The preacher didn't shake my hand. Dad, I really would have turned out good. I would have been a good Christian. I probably would have been a preacher. I probably would have been a missionary. But Dad, it's your fault. You'll be amazed how many people I come across and they begin to blame mom and dad for their spirituality. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe mom and dad, you need to take a part. Don't get me wrong. But can I say this? You need to throw the excuses out why you're not living for God. Joseph was a very young boy. And here it is, he, he, he had a father that was a deceiver, had a grandmother that was a deceiver. His brethren literally hated his guts. His brethren went ahead and even took him and put him in a pit, sold him to some Ishmaelites as a slave. Here it is, Joseph goes walking off. He's now in chains. He's now gone over there. He's now uh, uh, sold as a slave to Potiphar. And now he's been enticed by Potiphar's wife. He went ahead and stood for God, did not give in to the things of the world, did not give in to the lust of the flesh. And now he's in the dungeon. She went ahead and blackmailed him and now he has some friends down there and the only hope he had was those friends and they forgot about him. Oh, if anybody should not have turned out for the Lord, Joseph should not. But you know what? He went ahead and turned out right. You say, why? Because he decided not to blame everybody else. Some of you are blaming your husband why you're not living for God. Some of you are blaming your wives why you're not living for God. Some of you are blaming your children why you're not living for God. Hey, listen, you can live for God tonight. Here, the prodigal son, he says, I can't blame my father. I can't blame my brother. I can't. And he's beginning to think, what will I tell my father? And finally, he came up with this conclusion, I have sinned. Not, I've got caught. You know that little cute boy or that cute girl? Mama done fixed some chocolate chip cookies, and boy, that smell was so nice. They might just be a little tot. I mean, just a little thing. And here it is. They, and you tell them, don't get in the cookie jar. Not till after supper. You leave the kitchen. You know, they push that chair all the way up to the counter. You know, they got that simple nature from you. They push it up to that counter. They climb up on that chair. They climb up on the counter. And here it is. They stick their hand. And about that time, the hand's in the cookie jar. You walk in. You know the first words they're going to say? I'm sorry. Unless your children are angels. 
Now, let me ask you something. Are they sorry? No, they're sorry they got caught. You see, what we need to get to the spot is not that we're sorry that we got caught, but here the prodigal son says, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Do you realize with me tonight as you've been playing in the pig pen, as you've been going ahead and doing the things so contrary to the Word of God, do you realize with me tonight you have not only sinned against others, you have sinned against God. Father, I have sinned. He goes on and he says, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Tonight, what are you going to do when you... Smell the hog pen, drop the pail, jump the rail, hit the trail, admit that you failed. I give you the last thing, I'm through tonight. And then you'll find grace that will prevail. I start to think for just a moment, though the prodigal son went ahead and squandered the living, though he went ahead and he, he lost everything that he had, I wonder what it was like back there by the Father. I wonder when he went ahead and sat down at the table, I wonder if he kept that plate there hoping that son would come home. I wonder if maybe after supper was over, he would go out and there was a huge window and he would go out and he would look down the winding path hoping and longing that that son would come back home. I read the Scriptures as that son got closer and closer. The Bible says that while he was yet a great way off, the father saw him and ran to meet him. Could I give you this thought tonight? God is longing for you to come home. Do you realize with me, God is not the God that has the bull whip waiting to just whip you. He's longing for you to come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. I know that's talking about the law, but he's also longing for his children to come home. Oh, well, Brother Aguiar, God's just going to whip me. and whip. Hey, there might be chastisement yet, but he's longing for you to come home. I could imagine he looks down that old windy road. Father does, and here comes a figure. But he's not in the nice clothing as when he left. The sandals, it looks like they're all muddy and dirty and maybe falling apart. Looks like the hair is out of place totally. It looks like there, there's no possessions there. And yet the father went ahead and the Bible says that he wrapped his arms around him. Could you imagine here? God's longing for you to come home. And if you'll come home to him, he'll wrap his arms of love and give you joy and speak, give you love that's beyond comprehension. He'll restore the joy of your salvation if you'll come back home. It's interesting to note that here when the uh, prodigal son came, he begins to tell his father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Now, he did, make, he did say he was going to say something else. He was going to say, make me as one of thy hired servants, but he didn't have enough time to say that. You say, why? Because God brings grace when he meets you. If you notice the father, he says, go ahead and bring forth the best robe. You see, he was in the worldly clothing. It's time to get cleaned up completely now. Could I say, you cannot live for God. You cannot learn how to dress for God until you get back to the things of God. Oh, you might go ahead and try it, and, and you might try to do the different things, but you can't do anything until you get right back to the things of God, where God is. And here he said, bring forth the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. Kill the fatted calf. And let's rejoice and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. God's grace that prevails. I'll leave you a thought. I'm through tonight. I begin to think for just a moment. There's a book in the Old Testament, the book of Hosea, a very interesting book. It talks about the grace of God. You remember with me, Hosea was a man of God. And now here Israel has went a-whoring, the Bible says, after the false gods, after idols. So God tells Hosea, I want you to go marry Gomer. Now, if you know anything about Gomer, she did not hold a good reputation. She was known as a harlot. And here God was showing how Israel has gone a horn after idols and, and how they've went ahead and they've left God. And so God went ahead and showed it through the prophet Hosea by marrying Gomer. And so the wedding day came and they were united together, Gomer and Hosea. After process of time, here it is. There's a 
little boy that's now born. I can imagine the joy that Hosea had as the son was born. After a little bit more time, there was a second son born, and oh, the joy that was there. After a little bit of more time, here it is, Gomer is now pregnant. The third child's coming around, and God went ahead and told Hosea, I want you to name that child Lorami, which means I'm not the father. Meaning that Gomer's gone back to the former occupation. I wonder how it must have grieved his heart. I wonder how it must have hurt him deep down inside. Could you just imagine how that hurt from what's taken place? Third child is born. After a little bit of time, Gomer can no longer take the prophet's wife business. She leaves Hosea. She goes back to her former occupation. And can I say this? Sin will scar. And when the scarring comes and when the reaping comes, the sin is horrible. And now here it is. She's found on a platform and where all the slaves are. They've now stripped them of, of their clothing and they're standing there. And here people are beginning to make the bid for the different ones. About that time, Hosea, I can imagine days upon days and months upon months, he wonders what's happened to my wife. Where did she go? What happened to her? I wish she would come back home. He comes into town according to the, what, what I read in the Scripture. He's going to sell some wheat and some barley. As he comes in, the auction has already started. And he notices Gomer's face. I'm sure he notices the scars of sin. The auctioneer has already started. Four or five shekels of silver have already been said. Eight or nine shekels. And here I can imagine Hosea says ten. Someone says eleven. Someone says twelve. Hosea says thirteen. Another says fourteen. Another says fifteen. And Hosea thinks. He looks in his pocket. All he has is fifteen shekels of silver. And somebody else already made the bid. Going once. Going twice. And Hosea, he begins to cry out. He says, wait a minute. Wait a minute, sir. I've come in with this one and a half homers of wheat, this one and a half homers of barley. I've come in to sell it. He says, I'll be willing to give 15 shekels of silver, the one and a half homers of wheat, the one and a half homers of barley. He says, I'll be willing to give it all to get her back. That bid was so high, nobody would even dare touch that bid. Auctioneer said so. Imagine with me as Hosea takes that robe that came off of her and he goes over and he begins to wrap it around her. Imagine as he begins to put his arms around Gomer and I could imagine as he begins to embrace her and deep down inside Gomer's thinking, Hosea, you know what I've done in my life. You know how awful of a sinner I am. You know all the things that's going on. Hosea, I don't understand it. Why did you do it? And imagine as he says, because I love you. Tonight, you think with me for just a moment. We may have gotten all the things of this world, all the sin of this world. But I want you to know God is willing to wrap His arms around you. He's willing to bring you back to where you need to be. Tonight, He's even willing to save you. You say, why? Because He loves you. Tonight, what are you going to do? You smelt the hog pen. Tonight will you drop the pail? Tonight will you jump the rail? Tonight will you hit the trail? Tonight will you admit that you failed? And then according to the Word of God, you'll find grace that will prevail.